Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, good morning, folks. We had a little little uh, technical difficulties there. I'm glad you stuck with us. Uh, the gut report will do uh, after the Hornschwaggle, after the 6:45 break. So we're going to be on till uh, till around that 6:45 break, and then we'll we'll get going with everything else. So anyway, our apologies. You know, sometimes you just can't always uh, deal with technical difficulties, but. Normally, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. right here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. And if you've got any questions or comments, excuse me, you can call us at 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Good morning, Danny. Oh, don't know if Danny's there yet. Okay. Well, listen, I'll tell you, I'll give you this little update first, and we got we got an email here. So here we go. Um, Joe's K Ranch on tomorrow. It's called Sunday Fun Day, July 25th, and uh, it's live music on the patio. It's it's a fundraiser for the Lion, Cudahy Lions Club. They got, uh, uh, you know, fried chicken dinners. They got... Uh, specials on you know drinks uh they got uh specials on foods you know i mean on food not foods you know well yeah multiple anyway and uh and then they got a car truck bike cruiser show uh there's uh live music and all that so yeah that's at uh joe's k ranch tomorrow in cudahy now if you don't know where it is just uh google joe's k ranch anyway danny are you there yet Test one, two. Yeah, hey, okay. All right, we got you. We're you got me? To, we're ready to rock and roll. Ready to rock and roll. Well, you know, I know thousands, I mean, if not tens of thousands of our fans and listeners out there are 
bitterly disappointed that they got to wait an extra 15 minutes for your gut report. So I got right. something for them. Or, what's that? or should I do the gut report now? No, no, do it later. Uh, I, I got my own gut report right now. Okay. Here it is. I figured people would appreciate this. So, uh, I had some big old venison burger. Uh, I, you know, I had uh, left over from the, the 10 point. Nice big buck I shot with the rifle. Hey, let and, me, guess. Uh, let me guess. You're going to tell us how to make a venison hamburger. You're right. How'd you guess that? Because oh, that's man. That's the only thing you ever tell us. Well, that's because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the one that's worth listening to, Tom. So, <clears throat> matter of fact, we'll have our listeners email after, tell them who had the better gut report, Danny or Tom, uh, after they give yours. You better, you better be up, up. You better be on your game there, buddy. So this is this is one uh, I used. Uh, I thawed out two pounds of venison burger, and my old buddies from uh, from back when I was in uh, oh geez, even back old grade school buddies back from years ago went to the same church. Central Assembly of God in Green Bay. Uh, my one buddy, Keith, I don't think, well, I, I saw him at my brother's funeral, but his brother, Tom, I hadn't seen since 1999. Uh, prior to that, I hadn't seen Keith probably since, oh, I don't know, about 40 years. So they were here. We went out. We got Keith a nice muskie yesterday in the last five minutes of fishing. It was one of those bottom of the ninth, two outs, not expecting anything. Uh, but once again, Grandma's point came through for me. But uh, I made him some venison burgers afterwards on the grill, so I pulled out the old grill, and uh, Lowy always likes me to make some of the burger patties that she has. But I, I did a little bit of a different recipe, Tom. Uh, I took and divided up, and I made like these three three-quarter pound patties, huge. And uh, what I do is I take and chop it all up, Lowry seasoning salt, first of all, which I think everybody knows out there, Lowry's is great for the burgers. Uh, I did something a little different. I mixed in one teaspoon scattered of dried onions or minced onions, dried onions, whatever you call them. And I've never done this before. I took like just a little teaspoonful, a tablespoonful, whatever, about that amount of olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, and I kind of kind of spread that throughout it to give it a little moisture. Plus, Tom, you know, olive oil is supposed to be good for your heart and stuff, so I'm trying to make keep these healthy. Uh, just a little bit of pepper and uh, rolled them up. That was it. Rolled them on up and uh, got them going on the grill. And then I also used a special uh, uh, pepper jack cheese when they were about done. And then just a piece of raw onion on a big old Kaiser roll. You don't want to buy those stupid hamburger and buns, even regular hot dog buns that fall apart. You want a big roll that you can put it on. And I'm telling you, that was probably as good a burger as I've ever had. If I'd put some bacon and some uh, tomato on there and lettuce or a uh, thousand, uh, thousand Island dressing, probably even better. But I'm telling you, anybody who says they don't like venison, it just does not really know how to prepare it take care of it from you know in the field when you first get it uh because you you couldn't even tell it was venison when you were eating the burgers it was great from a big old buck too so that's my uh that's my new venison burger recipe the thing is you can try different things when you make your venison burger and you do not have to mix it with pork or beef to give it that moisture you can do other things like adding the olive oil yeah that sounds delicious yeah, it was even you would have liked it, Tom. 
Oh, I'm sure I would. I've, I've made plenty of venison burgers in the past. Except you're, 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 not eating, you're not eating venison anymore. Nope, nope. I've gone away from it now. Is, is it because of, of the chronic wasting disease? Well, there, there's like three different diseases you could possibly catch. So I just well, don't want to take any chances. Which ones can you possibly catch? Uh, there's three of them. I don't remember. No, they're not. There's none that you can possibly catch. No, they say you can possibly. No, possibly. Sadab, well, that possibly no. CWD has not been has not jumped the species barrier yet. Right, yet. So they just said uh, it's possible. Yeah, but Tom, where I deer hunt, depending on the county, there's been no CWD found out of thousands of samples. I've had a couple of mine sampled. I'm to the point there. I don't worry about it. No, if you shoot an urban deer where it's prevalent, Dane County, maybe even Waukesha, and you don't get it tested, well, yeah. Uh, and then I, I went, you know, and I got friends of mine who are using the marrow and stuff, bone marrow and making stews and stuff. I wouldn't do that, um, because they say the CWD kind of like can be in the, what, the brain and the bones and this yep, and that. The bones, yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing any recipe with a marrow, uh, on, on a, on venison, regardless of where I got it. But as far as being afraid of a burger, like, you know, up from where I hunt, you got a better chance of getting hit by a car walking to your mailbox to pick up your mail, Tom. Yeah. It's not that I'm afraid of it. It's just that I've decided not to eat it anymore. That's all. You decided? Yeah. That along with all the other unhealthy things you're still doing? Yeah. Besides, I like beef better. I like cows better. Okay. Okay. Well, probably, though, you're probably not, not supposed to be eating any red meat at all. Nah, I can I can eat red meat. Okay, all right. Hey, I, all right. I've gone Forget what that doctor years. said. Eat whatever you want. Hey, I've gone 68 years eating it. I think I can go a little longer. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. So. So I hear uh, the Lake Michigan water temperatures are uh, pretty warm. We're running around 75 degrees. Uh, you know, when you see people swimming in Lake Michigan, you know the water's warm. Normally it's cold, you know, and people aren't swimming out there. But from what I hear is that a lot of the Lake Michigan charters got to fish out deep, you know, 120, 150, 200 feet of water. You know, they're out there in deeper water, and they're fishing down deeper too. So uh, it's been a kind of a sporadic year, you know, with that warmer temperature. Have you heard anything? Uh well, not, well, you know what, Tom? I don't swim in Lake Michigan. I, you know, I figure there's three ways I can get killed out there. So, you know, one, the tide can wash me out. Two, I can get exhausted and just sink. Or, or three, the warm water can boil me. So, nope, I don't hear nothing about Lake Michigan these days. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've, I've been hearing a few things, you know, but, uh, but fishing can be, can be tougher closer to shore. So that's why the guys well, are going further out. Actually, Tom, in all seriousness, you are correct. Um, and, and some people really don't realize that they understand how it works. Like a west wind blows that warm surface water out and the cooler water from the, from the abyss moves on in and, and, uh, and the cooler water is there. Several years ago, there was a, a local sodbuster out here who was catching salmon like crazy in the middle of summer right by the break wall in his little old aluminum boat. Well, the thing is, he didn't realize, excuse me, he didn't realize that the reason was because of that cool water was in there. 
And so after he made hay for a couple of weeks, he took a friend of mine and a friend went out and he could reach his fingers in the water and feel it was warm and they caught nothing. And the guy was going, oh, gee, I don't understand. I'm using the same baits, fishing the same area. And the guy, he didn't quite understand. And my friend knew right away that, hey, it's the water temperature. They've moved out. They're not here. So you're right, Tom. They have to sometimes go out miles into a couple hundred feet of water and then they use they got to find that thermal climb and figure where those fish are so there's a real real science to it we should probably get a call from uh, captain jason wuda uh, or uh, fish addiction charter sean uh, gillis sometime and find out how they're doing yeah that would be a good idea because uh, you know it, you know my son said to me uh, a couple weeks ago he said dad uh he says if you want to kill some time he says why don't you go down to the lakefront and fish for perch from shore. I said, yeah, that would be nice if there were any perch to fish for, you know? <laughs> well, you never, you know, one thing, Tom, you never know. Um, there's still people catching perch sometimes off those piers, even off the McKinley Pier in the middle of winter, but they're real hush-hush about it. Uh, so there are some people somewhere out there catching perch from shore we're, you're just not going to know unless you really do some of your uh, detective work to find out. Yeah, yeah. Get myself one of them drones, you know, and fly over. You know. Yeah. You know. Watch, speak, watch speak, people. <laughs> there you go. You know. Speaking of drone, last week Saturday, uh, I went down to the Deer District. I took an Uber from Pewaukee. Cost me thirty-six dollars to go down. Cost me ninety-three dollars to come back. But oh well. What the heck. And I watched uh, in the Deer District, I got to watch Game 5, I guess it was, last week, Saturday. And they actually uh, had a drone, there was a kind of a police, like a tower there, uh, yeah. lifted up on like a crane or whatever you want to call it. And then they had a drone, and I'm sure that drone was monitoring. It's, so it's just amazing, those things. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, one of my friends has one of those, and, uh, you know, he, he flies it over his land to look. You know, he, he, he spots deer with it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think, now, with it, Tom, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm 100% sure without even checking that y you wouldn't be able to use that for deer hunting, though. No, because, not, during right, deer, not during the deer season. The deer they, they, in fact, they used to say that you're not supposed to use any electronic devices at all. Well... You know, I wonder, years ago, we used to use walkie-talkies and talk to each other before a drive. I, yeah. I don't know. Would they would they have considered that? And like, well, then I, I think I was talking about on our show years ago how I texted a buddy that I had shot at a buck on a ridge, and I texted to him to go. It's coming down. I told him where to go, and he ran across the field and caught the buck coming through. And I think somebody was trying to text me then and talk to me about that uh, it was illegal and, and using a cell phone was was an electronic device. Um, seems to me I got chastised on that one. I think I think everybody uh, uses cell phones now. You well, know, I think I think texting. yeah. Yeah, well, that's kind of, yeah. Now now I think I, I think I did hear that the DNR I think they've kind of you know telling the hunters not to use them. That's like telling high school kids they can't bring their their cell phone to school. Uh, or they got to keep it in their locker. Gee, I went through that one for, I don't know, 20 years or how many years, uh, and uh, it, it just became a losing battle. The schools have given up by and large. Yeah, I can, yeah, I know. 
a lot of times you tell people not to do something, they're going to do it anyway, you know. But yeah. it's just one of the common sense things, you know, that, you know, taking your cell phone with you. I mean, you might need it for emergency purposes, you know. Yeah, well, I wonder, you know, they got a, uh, I saw an ad on TV where the guy was talking how his cell phone detected smoke and that he'd been in a car wreck and then it asked him if he needed to hit a oh, button yeah. to call 911. Yeah. I wonder if they can make a smartphone that detects after you've fallen out of a tree for 20 feet at full speed, if it can detect speed and impact from uh, velocity from top to, to, to ground and think, hey, this lunkhead just fell. We better check with him. Yeah. Might as well. Might as well if they can if they can get that technology, don't even bother giving a message saying, "Do you need to call 911?" Just have the phone automatically call 911 and pinpoint the position cuz you got some guy laying under a tree unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, uh, that happens uh every now and then. It does happen to people, you know. One of my friends fell out of a tree years ago. And uh, thank goodness he wasn't seriously hurt, you know, but he had some aches and pains afterward. So, yeah, it's something to be careful about, that's for sure. Well, I think there's two types of people that bow hunt out of elevated stands, those who have fallen and those who are going to fall. I mean, <laughs> in, the, in the fall, the fall may be, you know, it's going to be in varying degrees. Now, obviously, the more serious ones result in fatalities, I had a fall years ago, Tom, where, do you remember the, the first climbing tree stands, the Baker tree stand? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Those things could collapse on you. I was climbing a slick evergreen evergreen uh, tree in Manitowoc County years ago, and somehow the foot pedal didn't latch in, and I literally was hugging the tree, and I slid all the way on down. And I'll tell you what, I my, my chest and arms and belly just got, not ro well, a type of road rash, bark rash. Yeah. Oh, I hit the bottom of the tree and I just doubled over. I'm like, oh, this hurts so bad. I had all kinds of scrapes on me. I went and hunted on the ground that night anyway then. Yeah, yeah I think that was a good idea. Hey, you know what else I think is a good idea? Let's take our first break of the day. It might be a little late. But it's the first break of the day here on the Cutting Edge Outdoors. Now, don't forget, folks, right now we're going to be playing the Hornschwaggle after the break. And that means you can win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market in Menominee Falls, or you can win a real nice prize package from Coleman Insect Repellents and Bait Mate Fish Attractants. So if you want to be a contestant and you haven't won in the last uh, two months, call this number, 414 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Be a contestant. Be a winner in the Hornschwaggle. We'll be right back. To the Wacky Walleyes, Rock City, Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. Thanks for listening this morning. And to our listeners that hung on at the beginning of the show, we we're uh, having a little bit of technical difficulties, uh, but we're back on air, and we're glad you're with us for the ride. And right now, I believe we have our Hornswoggle contestant, Sam. Yes, we do. Let's go to Nick in Pewaukee. Nick in Pewaukee. How are you doing, Nick? 
Yeah, good morning. Good, how are you guys doing? Okay, doing good. good. So, here we go. Nick Nick always wins. This will be easy for him. Uh, he's not any lunkhead who just calls in and guesses, you know, flips a coin and guesses. He kind of knows what he's talking about with hunting and fishing. But uh, recoil, the t- subject today is recoil because, uh, you know, we're going to be deer hunting before you know it. So, when dealing with recoil from a heavy magnum rifle, uh, if it makes you flinch, the best way to handle it is... Keep your head far back from the scope so you don't get hit in the eye. And as soon as your your crosshairs hit the target, just yank the trigger quickly to avoid the recoil flinch. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. Okay. Uh, speak. Yes. Speaking of recoil, believe it or not, stock design and how it fits you can have an effect on felt recoil hornswoggle or no hornswoggle uh i'm gonna say no hornswoggle no hornswoggle yeah yeah it's 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 really it is interesting because certain stocks uh especially if it has like a high cheek piece that comes up and the recoil causes that to smack you in the cheek Whereas, you know, different, oh, yeah. different designs may cause it where it's not going to hit you in the face and that. And they used to say that like, uh, that like uh, the uh, synthetic stocks recoiled less because they kind of flexed. But I guess I've heard now that that's not necessarily the case. Okay, so enough on that, on that uh, informing our listeners of very interesting things. One way to control the weight of recoil is to add weight or have a heavier firearm in other words a heavier mm-hmm. seven millimeter rifle will recoil less than a lighter seven millimeter recoil uh rifle hornswoggle or no hornswoggle uh that's no hornswoggle no hornswoggle okay sounds good and well, actually, uh i i, 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 I up, hear i got a little tip for you guys so i just regarding the recoil i just picked up a 1911 45 ecp which okay. is obviously a very heavy gun and I told the guy at Shields, I said, well, I'm not going to buy this unless there's actual rounds for it. And there's no rounds on the shelves. And he goes, oh, we got plenty of rounds in the back, but we just hold it so if you buy a gun, you actually do have ammo. So oh, they do have okay. Ammo. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Well, that makes, I mean, that makes, that makes good sense there, Nick, because, uh, I mean, obviously most people are going to feel like you. They're not going to want to buy a firearm if they can't go and shoot it right away. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good tip. So I can't blame the retailers, but uh, so I guess uh, (laughs) for all those out there uh, looking to buy 30-30 ammo for their deer rifle and you can't find it, just go buy a new 30-30 and you'll have new new ammo and two 30-30s. So, yeah, it's only money. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Perfect sense. Just like me spending $130 for Ubers to go downtown and back. But it's only money. So, Nick, we'll put yep. you on hold, get your address, and we'll get that stuff sent out to you, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. All right. Bye now. Yeah, Midwestern Shooter Supply has been doing that for years. That, uh, you know, whenever there's a ammo shortage, if you buy a gun, they'll have a box or two of ammo to sell you. And it's not on the shelf, you know. They reserve that, you know, for people buying guns. It's a, and I, I, I'm sure other places like Shields are doing that too. I mean, that's a great idea. They should be doing that. Well, you know, Tom, you can still, I mean, find scattered boxes of stuff. Oh, There's yeah. a place. 
you know, in fact, if you look, anybody listening, look, is if anyone's desperate for shotgun ammo, a couple weeks ago, I was up in Oshkosh, and I think it's called John's Sporting Goods. It's a private place, uh, kind of a cool place up in Oshkosh, and I was amazed at their supply of uh, slugs and bird loads there. I mean, they were pretty well stocked, and that was a couple weeks ago. And then, as far as rifle ammo, he had scattered, you know, in certain calibers, he did have some stuff. And that was a small, little out-of-the-way place. So if you, you kind of find those small, out-of-the-way places as opposed to... Because every, every dummy and their brother goes to the big box store right away. Where, where's, where, you know, I do too. You know, oh, I'll go to Fleet Farm. I'll go to here. And, of course, everybody goes there and all the... Uh, it's completely empty. But if you can find the small, out-of-the-way place... I was at a small, out-of-the-way uh, uh, place this week private little shop and they're sitting there looking beautiful it was a box of 270 nosler 130 grain acubond and uh they didn't have it marked up above what it normally would be which is 50 bucks but 50 bucks i bought it so i it, and it was one box but it was exactly what i needed so my advice to you is get to those small out of the way places and uh kind of check them out frequently and you might just luck into something yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, my neighbor has a, a 22 Magnum uh, pistol, and he couldn't find any ammo for it. And I, he had to go out to, uh, he had a 32 semi-automatic to be cleaned, and I took him out to MJ's gun shop out there in, uh, out by Richfield. Anyway, and... Hubertus, uh, I think. Uh, what's that? I think he is it. That's Hugh Burtis, I believe. Yeah, Hugh Burtis. Well, you know, it's like right on the corner between the two of them. You know, it's right, yeah. right. But anyway, and uh, anyway, and guess they they had a there was a box of twenty two magnums sitting there. I mean, it's those are hard to find, and there was a box of actually more than a box, I think, and uh, so he was lucky that uh, he found that. You know, so, but yeah, some of these smaller shops, you 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 never know what they might have. You know. Because people MG... aren't really going to them, but MJ's Gun Shop has got a good supply of, of ammo and firearms, you know, well, what they can at this time, you know. Yep. Good, good for this time of year, let's put it that way. As, as well as the gunsmithing, so they, they do a yeah. good job. Yeah, that's the main thing, because people are always, you know, it seems like people always need something done to something, you know, some of their guns, you know. So, so, so Tom, I, I, was, uh, I was getting a... Uh, a Winchester Model 12 pump uh, appraised and looked at by a gunsmith. <clears throat> and uh, interesting fact that he told me, and I had heard this before, maybe you know this, but the Model 12 pump was actually the military uh, military shotgun, I believe, in World War II and I think possibly World War One as well. Really? And it was, yes, and it was kind of a last defense uh, it was kind of a last defense trench gun. In other words, when it got down and dirty and you're in hand-to-hand combat and the machine guns are empty and burned up and, and you're at hand-to-hand in the trenches, that, the, uh, that Model 12, and it came I think it, with a short-barreled model. And an interesting fact about it is uh, you could rapid-fire it where what you would do, Tom, is if you pulled the trigger... And you kept the trigger pulled, and all you'd have to do is keep your fing- the trigger pulled and just pump 
the action, every time you cycled that action, it would fire. So you could just pump fast and go boom, 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 uh, and uh, at point blank range. Now that that's pretty that's pretty cool. Um, so for a home defense gun, now uh, our friend Al Shook told me that a Model 870, uh, you know, the uh, Remington 870s are the same. I don't think I ever want to test it. But uh, I, and then I then I was told that if you find one. It, uh, that was used by the U.S. Army or was Army issue. It has some special markings and designations or whatever on it that identify it, that that shotgun can be worth thousands of dollars. Yeah, I imagine it can be. And, uh, Danny, we got a top-of-the-hour break to go to. We have a special caller calling in at 7 o'clock. So, folks, stay tuned for that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this is uh, Dan Bush, myself, Tom Newbauer here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. So stay tuned for more. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing today, boys and girls? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Going to be a warm one, so get them shorts on and, uh, yeah, maybe get it, jump in the lake somewhere. It might feel good. Anyway, this is the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 AM, and we are live. And if you want to become a part of the show and you got any questions or comments, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250 or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Tom. Uh, I hear you talking about, you know, get those shorts on, go outside. Uh, I get, are you wearing shorts this time of year now? Yeah. Okay, I am too. You know, at the beginning of the year, every every start of summer is always kind of a difficult time for me, uh, because like when I put on my shorts, you know, like from the knees down, my legs are so white they they look like hockey sticks with hair. So <laughs> what I but but now I'm to the point, Tom, where you know I got the I got the tan tan muscular calves going on now. So you know I can put shorts on and not feel like a dork. So. <laughs> <laughs> we all go through that dork phase when you go out there and you're just so gosh darn white. In fact, the first time you take your shirt off, you wait till you're in the middle of the lake somewhere where no one can see you. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Except they can probably still see you because you look like a white reflector out on the lake. Way, way out there. Hey, um, I got an interesting uh, email from a friend of mine uh, with a link there, Tom. My buddy Bob and Madison sent it to me. And I don't think we talked about it before. Uh, you know, we were talking a, a week or two ago about uh, Brett Alexander, I believe, how he had gotten a hook in the eye 
and oh, yeah. uh, how the freak things happen. I, I was suggesting that you should probably always have a pair of uh, glass sunglasses, polarized, preferably impact resistant on at all times, uh, whenever, whatever, and maybe just clear ones for night fishing because you never know when something can come flying back at you. Uh, story out of, I think it was uh, Montana, guy was fighting what he thought was he's trolling for walleyes with bottom bouncers and he's fighting what he thinks is a giant walleye and it turns out it, when they get it close it, to the boat it's a giant pike and what happened was they were trying to net it and somehow it shook off and uh, the wife was trying to net it and all of a sudden the guy screams and what had happened was um, kind of like that hook flying out and getting Brad Alexander in the eye. Apparently the bottom bouncer had come snapping back and penetrated the guy's chest oh. into, into his heart, Tom. And wow. so anyway, the wife, they just have him lay down and try and, I forget what she makeshift used to put pressure on it. And then she had to have the wherewithal to run the boat and motor which she had never done before and fortunately there was the gps on the locator screen so she was able to motor back she was making the phone calls when she got to the landing there was every emergency vehicle there you could think of it was the dnr there were uh, other volunteers there were you know just people that had been out on the lake uh, you know the rescue squad i mean everything and uh, everybody kind of helped. People helped once they grabbed him. People helped. Volunteers helped her getting the boat on the trailer and driving. And they had to airlift him to some hospital. And apparently everything worked out. If it been de- if anything had gone uh, just a little bit off, he would have died because the doctor said it was a miracle he was alive because it had actually been penetrated in the heart. And I mean, he was just centimeters away and minutes away from death. But they managed to save him. So can you imagine that, man? A, a bottom bouncer come, you know, flying on back and right into your chest. I mean, what are the odds, man? I mean, the the it, it had to have been going so fast, you know. All, well, all I can wow. think is is I don't know. The rod was loaded up. Yeah. You know, yep. and then when the fish. If, I don't know if the fish broke the line or or whatever, and the rod snapped back. I'm thinking like a you know, like a bow and arrow or like yep. a boom, whatever, and it snapped back and that lead, you know, got that force and impact. Man, I, you know, you don't think about those things, but um, freak that, things can can happen, man. Yeah, that happened actually to a friend of mine a number of years ago. I, he had never been uh, sucker fishing for muskies in the fall, and I had him out, and uh, to make a long story short, as he was pulling one way, the muskie was pulling another, and the hooks came out. And, you know, on one of those rigs, you got the smaller single hook and then a big treble hook. And the sinkers and that those hooks, when they, you know, and like you said, his rod is loaded up, pulling one way, and the fish pulls the other. And when that came out, that went flying by his face. You could actually hear it, you know, that, that sound of it whistling through the air went right past his face and boy i'll tell you what a couple more inches oh that would have been terrible so but yeah yeah, that can happen that can happen now as far as protecting your chest i don't know you know uh i don't know what to say that you know yeah you don't think of that but 
you certainly, it all, the more we talk about this, it all adds up to the fact that you should have protective eyewear on at all times while fishing, whether on shore, in a boat, during daytime, at night, trolling, casting, whatever, you should always wear some protective eyewear. You know, speaking of nighttime fishing, uh, this warm weather now, any time in July and August when you have really warm weather, that is some beautiful time to go night fishing. Now, I haven't been night fishing in a number of years, but I'll tell you what, I used to enjoy the heck out of it, you know, going out with a buddy. Uh, we, would, we would be launching the boat at like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and uh, I'm telling you, some of the fishing, I mean, not, not only is it kind of eerie being at night, but what's nice is that there's no other boats around, uh, no water skiers, no jet skiers. I mean, it's real calm, quiet, and uh, as a matter of fact, every, every noise you make is amplified, it seems like. But, but I'll tell you, uh, you can have some real fun bass fishing at night, uh, you know, if, if, if a person was so inclined to do so. You know, so inclined. It, it well, well, you're right, Tom. And, you know, well, well, Tom, face it, when you were a young man, at, when I was young, at 9 o'clock there were one of two things to do. Either go out and chase women or go out and chase some nice night fishing. More often than not, it was the former. Uh, but, yeah, you had the energy to, to do it. And, and if any of my friends' wives are listening right now, just know that their husbands never did go out and chase women with me. They always stayed home. It was just me. So I'll get, I don't want to get friends in trouble here. But, you know, nowadays... Nine o'clock at night, Tom. I'm in REM sleep three. I mean, <laughs> there's no way I want to go out and night fish now. I'm just getting too late, except for the walleye fishing in the spring. Yeah, and if anybody does go out at night now, when when I first started night fishing, I was using like buzz baits, jitterbugs, hula poppers, anything on top of the water, like that. And and yeah, and I caught fish. And then I met a guy, Hal Walker. He was a news broadcaster for WISN back in the day, and his lures never saw the light of day because he was always working during the day, so the only time he could go was at night. So anyway, him and I hooked up several times, went out fishing, uh, sometimes with a friend of his too, and he told me and he showed me, and I am a firm believer now, of the best lure to use at night for bass. And that was a, a black bucktail spinnerbait with an oversized Colorado blade attached to a, a ball bearing swivel. Now, and of course, you got to have a trailer hook too. But over the years, I found that it doesn't have to be a bucktail, black bucktail. It could just be a plain old black skirt, you know. But you had to have that oversized Colorado blade. And when you were reeling it in, you could feel that thump, 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 thump of the spinner bait of the blade going around. And if it stopped, you just set the hook. Granted, every now and then it could be a weed, but you set the hook. So, but that's what I would recommend people use. And, uh, and it does work. I was proven, you know, he proved me wrong because I thought my stuff was better and I was proven wrong Did every time we went out until I learned my lesson and started using those. Hey, be, before be, before we go to break, quick question on it. Did you ever try working it like a topwater, like a buzzbait or whatever, no. by bulging it, you know, no. near the... No. no? Well, except if you were in really, if you were in shallower water or if the weeds were up high, yeah, then you had to do that. You know, you were forced to. 
because I've I've had success on pike, muskies, and big bass using that bulging technique, yep. and a lot of people don't realize that you can do that with a spinnerbait. Work it like a topwater. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. And right now, you know what's coming up next, Danny? The gut report is finally coming up next. So, folks, stay tuned. It's seven sixteen in the a.m. and you're listening to the Wacky Walleyes. Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll be right back. Come here. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, if you've got a garden, folks, you probably are growing some zucchini. And I'll tell you what, zucchini are popping out like crazy in people's gardens. And this is one of my favorite recipes this time of year. It's called Zucchini Pancakes. Take one cup of grated or shredded zucchini, one egg, one cup of flour, quarter cup of diced onion, quarter cup of grated parmesan, and then you uh, put a little salt and pepper to taste. Now you add a, mix all that together, and you got to add a little water, enough to make the, it like a pancake consistency. Then you fry it in oil. You know, you, when you put it in the pan, when you spoon it in the pan, flatten it down a little bit and fry it until it's golden brown. I'm telling you, zucchini pancakes are really good. And, of course, you got to have a little butter and syrup with them. Why not? The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you'll find the best price, selection, and service at 51st in Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow in Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to discountliquorinc.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by Bait Made Fish Attractants. We want to thank all of our listeners out there. We always take a moment to thank law enforcement officers. We do back the badge. First responders, healthcare workers, military, and everybody else out there. Uh, we appreciate what you do for us. And we appreciate every one of our listeners near and far, those that are silent, that we don't know you're out there, and some that we've become acquainted. Uh, Tom, I had a uh, talked how a couple of our loyal listeners uh, had gotten a postcard from Tom and Joanne a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about, uh, I think it was, what, Puget, Puget Sound, and we were debating where that is, and then somebody called and said it's Washington. Well, you know, after the show, Tom, I looked at the postcard they sent me, and I looked at it, and I thought, boy, am I a dumbhead, uh, even wondering, because, of course, the postmark says Seattle, Washington. So, <laughs> boy, yeah. good thing I'm not a pet detective. You know, yeah, nothing escapes me, boy. Pretty sharp. Wow. Yeah. Well, we did talk about that last last week, and we kind of figured out after a caller told us where yeah, yeah, it was. You know. Like like most of the things we do, Tom, we make it way harder than it has to be, and we make it quite an av- adventure. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's why they call this the crazy train. Cause the crazy train. It's the know. wacky. The wacky and the walleyes. Yeah, very, very the well, Tom. The wacky and the walleyes. It's the, we, we put the wacky and the walleyes. Well, I don't know. Whatever you want. Whatever you know, you we got to talk to Dave Olson or uh, um, what's his name? The wacky Dale, walleye Dale. guy. I'm having a brain Dale, fart. Dale Strosheim. Yeah, Dale. Hall of Fame ang- angler. Yeah. 
we got to talk to him, uh, one of the two guys, and ask them about how the walleye fishing is right now up there, and the muskie fishing, uh, and the perch fishing. All Jerry, Jerry Ruffalo, who has called the show before, uh, he's our buddy uh, Woody's friend. Uh, he, he, I did see a post on uh, Facebook. He's been getting some walleyes. You know, a lot of a lot of people post on Facebook. Uh, I see our friend Joe Booker posts quite a bit. Um, in fact, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going to be going down, Tom, to uh, Destin, uh, Fort Walton Beach, Navarre area in Florida uh, in October. I will not miss the show, however, of the way I'm planning it. And my buddy uh, from college, my buddy Tim, is a condo down there. He's going to hook me up on a beach in a condo. Woody's going to drive down there and meet with some of his business partners. And he's booked a charter. And, and they have the Destin Fishing Rodeo going on for the whole month of October. I don't know how the old Destin Fishing Rodeo works, but I guess we can enter the Destin Fishing Rodeo. But then somebody told me this week that Joe Booker goes down in that area in the summertime. Uh, I don't, I'm summertime, but I mean in the in the fall winter. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, I think it's mostly it's not really inland fishing down there though. It's saltwater, which I'm not super interested in. I mean, I'm more a freshwater guy, Tom. But it'd still be fun to go out. I think they go out. They they fish redfish, red snapper, all kinds of stuff. Somebody got a shark off the pier there a while ago too. I was told. Oh, yeah, you can catch plenty of sharks down there, that's for sure. I heard somebody actually got a, a small great white, I believe, is what oh, they wow. got. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, did, did we get any emails, Tom? No, not yet, but I uh, I uh, was reading something earlier in the day that, uh, or the other day, that a fella down in, uh, and this happens, uh, you know, you, you've seen the giant groupers that can get up to 800 pounds, and Right. But some guy, and you know they're they're protected right now. Right. And uh, they've been protected, I think, since 1990. Anyway, some guy caught a small one, a baby one that was like 20 pounds, and he had it in a cooler, and he was taking it to his car, and the game warden wanted to check to see what was in his cooler, as they you know so often do, and he found the grouper. Well, not he threw the grouper was still alive. So he threw that back in the water. The guy's got a hefty fine, but he was taken to jail right away. They took him to jail. Now, he will be sentenced as far as how much the fine will be and how much jail time he'll get. But they're very serious about it down there in Florida. You better not keep a grouper. You can fish for him, but you got to release him right away. And... Uh, so, Danny, if you're down there, if you catch a grouper, make sure you let it go right away. We don't want you ending up in jail. You know, I, Tom, I don't know what the world's come to. You know, they got people, you know, throwing rocks at police head in inner cities and getting away, we get released with nothing, and you get some guy gets a grouper, they slap the cuffs on him and throw him into jail. Something's wrong with our justice system, Tom. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. So, um... Let's see. Uh, oh, one thing I was going to mention. Now, you, Tom, you, you monitor the CEO guy's uh, emails during the show. I uh, sometimes get text messages from some of our listeners. Now, for the longest time, I couldn't really go to the text messages because I'm on an app, you know, you know, right. which, uh, right. you know, to run our show. But I, I have kind of figured out how I can momentarily keep the app up and check the email. And one of our listeners got back and said that the 
Model 870 does not do... It's called hang fire, I think, is what they call it, where if you pull the trigger yeah. and keep pumping the action, that the Model 70 doesn't do it, but the guy said, I think his grandfather or whatever, I read it real quick, somebody had uh, a Model... I think he said a 61 or some other Winchester shotgun that would do that, and also that he owned a 22. I don't think he said the model, but it, it was a 22 pump that you could also do that hang fire with as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so interesting. I never would have thought that a, uh, that a uh, firearm would be able to, to do that. In a way, Tom, don't you think, I, I don't know, is a safety issue? I, uh, what if somebody squeezes the trigger and forgets to let off on it, and they pump it and pump, and all of a sudden it shoots another one? I I don't know. I would um, hope that they wouldn't still be squeezing the trigger. I would hope that they knew enough not to, but you never know, you know. I mean, but when you think about it, when you subconsciously squeeze a trigger, when when you when you conscious you consciously squeeze a trigger, but I've never consciously unsqueezed a trigger. I think you just squeeze, it breaks, and you must just automatically just, you know, work the, well, if it's a uh, bolt action, you, you move your hand up to the bolt and work it. But if it is like a pump, your hand can still be near the trigger. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's something that you don't normally do unless you're consciously trying to keep it, you know, pulled like that to work an action like that. Yeah, I never really thought about it. Never really guess, thought about it. So. I guess having that Winchester Model 12 pump-action shotgun, if you're in a trench in World War II, and the guy's charging you with a you know, bayonet at point blank, that, that that shotgun would be a pretty intimidating weapon and pretty good friend to have if you could squeeze the trigger and go boom, boom, boom at point blank range. That would be pretty devastating. So I can see it being of use there. Or, you know, if you got the old 22 pump out and you get charged by a rabid squirrel coming down a log... You know, maybe that's when you got to go to hang fire mode then, too. Got to, you know, never want to get your, you know, throat ripped open by a rabid squirrel. Yeah, I, I can't remember where. Well, I'll tell you what. It's almost break time. It's break time. So it's break why time. don't we take a break? We got a few more interesting things to talk about and how you can get fined uh, by, uh, I guess you would, out west where there's grizzly bears. If you're the DNR, you can get fined for doing something that you shouldn't do. I'll tell you about that and more here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Stay tuned. Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Newbauer. We are presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. And Tom, I'm a firm believer on getting that Bait Mate and spraying a little bit of that game fish, garlic and salt stuff on there. Always, always uh, doesn't hurt, put it that way. Helps reduce human smells. That's Odors. right, it does not hurt. Now, what I talked about earlier before we went to break was uh, if I, I can't remember the state it was in, but it might be Montana or someplace where, you know, they have a lot of grizzly bears. And uh, if you don't put your food in the proper container or store it away properly, you can get fined. Uh, a woman was fined $5,000 uh, 
for not putting it where it should be because this this bear kept coming to, to the campsite and tearing things up and then they of course the people complained so then the the dnr of that area or wildlife commission whatever they call it they had to tranquilize the bear and remove it and take it to a different part of the state so it cost them five thousand dollars to do that and now she's paying for it so if, if you're out there where there's grizzly bears make sure you put your food away properly Boy, oh boy, they're they're really, you know, in the great outdoors, down. man. You don't want to screw up because, you know, they throw the book at you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's something to watch out for. Now, and, you know, around here, I, th- I think our, 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 you know, fishing laws and regulations are, are fairly liberal, you know. I mean, we, we've got good limits on fish and sizes and whatever, so... You know, I don't think there's a problem that way. But every now and then, you know, most wardens, I think, nowadays are are better. They're, they're you know, they, they, they look at things in, as far as, like, there can be gray areas, you know. Some wardens still are go by the book, you know, black and white, that's it, you know, uh, that's either right or wrong. But I think wardens are getting friendlier nowadays, Danny. What do you think? Fr- it's still friendlier, Tom. Well, yeah. anyway, um, years ago, there were two organizations that had uh, a reputation of being no budge on anything, letter of the law, sticklers. It was the state patrol and, uh, and the DNR. It was kind of like tell it to the judge. Now, it's interesting right. you mentioned, uh, I got a buddy of mine, <clears throat> Tom. He came up. He lives in Kentucky now, I believe it is. And he was, you know, going to get a license here short term and this and that. And he was mentioning in the boat with me about, well, we, we want to make sure we do things right because, you know, Wisconsin isn't the most liberal as far as, you know, compared to where I'm at. He says the wardens are really chill down where I'm at. He says, but I know how Wisconsin is. Well, he had lived in Wisconsin till, you know, you know, most of his adult, you know, till he was a young adult. So he he knew. And I said, no, Tom, I said, uh. Uh, I think if anything that was good that came out of that uh, that stupid uh, deer czar study where they paid some bonehead from Texas $100,000 and the Kroll guy to do a deer study, which really didn't tell us much. But one, one thing that came out of that study was that that uh, there had to be better relations between, you know, between uh, the uh, public and the DNR as far as being have that trust factor and working together. And I do think that the uh, Wisconsin DNR has worked to have, I think, a friendlier, like you said, more con- more consumer-friendly uh, attitude as far as working with people. I-, I know the wardens that we've had on are, you know, all reasonable, really good guys. I was chatting to a warden up in Door County that I bumped into 10 years ago. Super nice guy. Pulled over. Started, I was working on my boat at a landing. So they're, they're, you know, they're all good guys. They, and, but they do have a job to do too. You know, if someone is violating, you know, you realistically, they're there to enforce the laws and the laws they enforce are designed to help protect the resource for us. So I understand, you know, that they have a job to do at the same time. If somebody has, you know, a sin by omission or that they, they didn't realize, or they, you know, forgot something, you know, then I can see them cutting somebody slack. A little bit. Yeah. Speaking of that, a uh, number of years back, quite a few years ago, 
I was fishing on Pewaukee Lake by myself. And oh, first of all, let me pre- preface this by saying that if, if a warden starts chuckling, you know he's okay. You know, if he cracks a smile. <laughs> anyway, um, I was fishing on Pewaukee Lake all by myself, and uh, a warden came up to check my license, which is fine, and, and he looked around and he said, hey, uh, where's your throwable cushion? And I saw it's stuffed in this locker down here. He says, you know, it's supposed to be out and readily available. I says, yeah, I know, but can I ask you a question? And he says, what's that? I said, if I fall out of the boat, who's going to throw it to me? <laughs> so he, he chuckled. He says, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, So he was pretty cool. He was all right. Yeah, you know, one thing that I do is I always have a throwable underneath my console, and I got about a, I don't know, a 20 or 30-foot rope attached to it. Uh, so I have that in the event that if I ever had to throw it, uh, and still be able to have a rope to hold on to. And then I have a separate one that the first thing I do when I launch my boat in the morning is I pull the, uh, life jackets out of the rod locker, put them on the backs of the seat yep. for, yep. you know, for every, you know, everybody and passenger that's going to be aboard the vessel. And then I take another throwable and put that right right at our feet where everybody can see it and know where it's at so simple little thing but that's the important thing danny that you said that everybody knows where it is uh my my good friend who passed away this past april he uh he almost drowned last not uh, i think it was a year before last when he was in his boat and uh and he fell and it was in fall and he fell out i'll make a long, long story short he fell out of the boat but nobody knew where the throwable was you know nobody knew i mean it was stuffed away somewhere but he he didn't tell anybody he didn't think he had to and uh you know yeah he almost drowned he he, thank goodness they got him in the boat eventually but yeah it that's a scary situation i think that's a great idea that you got a length of rope attached to the throwable cushion you know that if you had to use it, you could, the person hold on to the cushion and you could pull them in. You know, that's a good idea. The the other thing that I have done at times, but I, I should do more often, is when you get new people aboard your boat, uh, you should acquaint them and point out the fact, okay, guys, there's a throwable here. Yeah. Uh, I've got a first aid kit up in the front part here. Mm-hmm. Uh, marine radios right here. And just maybe make people aware of a few things in the event, you know, something ever happened. That That's right. And I think that would be a good idea for everybody to do. You know, everybody should do that. But I so, bet you they don't. <laughs> so, Tom, I, I got a, a bait I want to ask you about. Uh, I hadn't heard the name of this bait in a long time. Uh, the Lazy Ike. Oh, yeah. Lazy Ike. Those were very popular, popular years ago. Yeah. Now, I know my dad had a lazy Ike. I never used one much, uh, but did you use one very, uh, yourself a lot uh, or not? When I was real young, I had one in my tackle box, but I never used it. I okay, mean, I, so... I did throw it a couple times, and it's got quite an aggressive wobble to it, but I didn't really use it, no. So anyway... Um... I, 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 the Lazy Ike, um, my buddy Tom, who was visiting, actually pulled one out and showed me. And I remembered those. And, and as I had recalled, they were a lot like the flatfish. Yeah. Uh, or the, uh, I think there was a quick 
fish. Uh, I might be off on that one. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of times I use the flatfish for trolling. The lazy ike, as I recall, was a little bit light, and it, it looked like yeah, very similar. You could use it for, for the trolling. Um, but he, interesting, he told me the story how years ago he went with a guy up to a, a section on the Chippewa River where you could get back in and, and go back and, and wade. And he was fishing that river with a guy, and one guy was using suckers, and uh, the other guy, uh, and he was casting. He had a suic at the time, and the guy yelled to him that he just saw a big musky jump, and then he moved on down the river with his suckers, and my friend went with the suic and actually caught about a 48-inch musky. But the, another time they went back there, what he was throwing wasn't a, uh, wasn't a suic. Uh, he was throwing a quick fish and it was only real shallow water three four feet and what he did with it i thought was kind of unique uh because he caught muskies he caught bass he caught pike and he was taking the quick fish and winding it and grinding it along the bottom of the river and evidently the way it's designed with that lip it would he would bang it off the rocks and it would just bang off the bottom and that's when the fish would pin it but it wouldn't snag up, and I never really thought of using a quick fish like that. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. But it worked. So you, it just goes to show you, you know, you think, you think you know it all, and then you hear of somebody doing something different. Well, you know, when you said that, you know, you drag it along the bottom, so it's digging in the bottom and that, uh, that's basically what guys, uh, what did they would call that? They would troll... Uh, those those metal lures that would dig down into the into the bottom. Um, oh, the uh, spoon plugs. Spoon plugs, yeah, that's what spoon pluggers would do. Dig that bait right into the bottom, and uh, fish would just pick it off the bottom. Yeah, that's what they, that's what they were known for doing. Yeah. Without now, I I I would also think that perhaps up in Door County for the stir, for for the for the smallies when they're shallow. Uh, in a couple feet of water, which they can be, maybe digging that along the bottom, stirring up a little, you know, dirt, dust, and sand, or whatever, because I know guys use drag ned rigs along the bottom. Uh, they use different baits because the, the, go the gobies evidently hop along the bottom, and anything that imitates that. So I'm thinking that might be, uh, I mean, who in the world is dragging a quick fish along the bottom up in Door County? Nobody, I think. Maybe no, that might be something so. to try next spring. If you can find them. Yeah, you're right. Do yeah, they really I don't know. Suck? I don't even I, think, you know, I don't think lazy ikes are made anymore or quick fishes. Or, or quick fish. I mean, I should be saying lazy ike. I guess yeah. I got quick fish on the brain. Right. But uh, I've but got I, a whole bunch. I've got a whole bunch of the old uh, old silver and, and pearl ones. I used to troll yeah. for salmon. Uh, I'll tell you, everyone was using J-plugs, and we discovered that trolling those big flatfish and first silver and then the pearl you could troll real slow about half the speed of a j plug yep. and and yep. you'd have a tremendous action now you'd need a small boat that would really slow down which we did a little 18 horse motor and we would just putz along we would outfish the guys with the j plugs three to one uh they just loved those things and yeah, you could, uh still you could, you could troll a lot smaller you're slower you're right lots yeah because it's such a tremendous action on those things but Take a lazy Ike and go and bounce that on the bottom, like I said, in Door County. Actually, I can talk to my buddy Tom, because after he caught 
a bunch of fish. He said he went to a, a, his local sporting goods store and he bought up every one that was there. So I think he's got a dozen or so. Yeah, and and actually, you know, I remember years ago they made those pretty big too. You could get some pretty big sizes. You know but... what? I seem seems to me I remember seeing some great big ones in yeah. like frog patterns and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we got to go to a break. Last one of the day, folks. Stay tuned. Last break of the day here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. It's the Think about lost Bushy coming out of break here. Oh, we lost him. Oh, okay. I'll check on him. All right, you. Well, Sam checks on Danny. <laughs> oh, what were we talking about before? I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's. You know, you know. It's funny on this show we talk about so many different things, and sometimes we get off on these tangents. You know, we start off on one thing, and then we just start breaking off here, there, wherever, talking about a lot of different things. So I, I apologize, folks. I can't remember what we were talking about before the break. Maybe we uh, teased something, but I don't know. You know, all I know is that I'm looking forward to going fishing. Hopefully tomorrow, if not uh, Monday or Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Uh, I got to get out there. But you know, I'll tell you what: fishing in this heat, you better take some liquids with you. And one thing I learned the hard way is that if you're going to be out for the day and it's hot out, like they're expecting in the 90s for the next three, four days, whatever, you might want to take a bunch of water, Gatorade, whatever, you know, with you, some kind of liquids. But you got to drink it before you get thirsty. That's the key. you got to keep hydrated before you get thirsty. Because one time um, I didn't do that, and I end up getting heat stroke. And I'm telling you, that's one thing you don't want to get is heat stroke. You want to make sure you drink enough liquid to keep your body hydrated in this hot weather. We got bushy now, Tom. All right, that's great. Hey, Danny. See hey, well, yeah, technical, you know, it's the age of electronics. Sometimes things happen right before we were going to come back from break. But, uh, oh, well, it looks like we muddled through. Hey, a couple announcements I wanted to mention. Uh, evidently, uh, there's a notice out from Henry Rifles that there are some fraudulent online uh, people working out there pretending to be Henry Rifles Company. Uh, they might go under the moniker of the Henry Gun Store or the Henry Gun Shop, and they're trying to sell, well, they're not really selling, but they profess to be selling Henry Rifles, uh, like online, and it's a scam. So oh. be careful about, yeah, careful, careful of that. I believe Henry Rifle is going to direct you to a retailer nearby that carries Henry Rifles, but they want payment through something called Zelle, or Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E, which I've never heard of, and I know Tom's never heard of. Maybe Sam's heard of it. He's a young guy. Or they want cryptocurrency, a cryptocurrency wallet. I don't know what that is. Tom doesn't know what it is. Maybe Sam knows what that is. 
But anyway, be careful about uh, you don't get scammed. Yeah, and, you know, I'll tell you, there's a lot of scams going out there today. You know, I mean, whether they be calling you on the phone or on your emails, a lot of scams going out. You got, a person has to be really diligent in uh, keeping abreast on what, what's, uh, what's going on out there. Uh, speaking of scam, uh, the uh, I shouldn't call it a scam. They, you know, they got the elk uh, thing where you can pay $10 to try and get an elk tag, right? And it looks like uh, I heard 25,000 people uh, applied. So, so that my mental math tells me that the DNR gets $250,000, right? Yeah. And, and guess how, how many residents got tags from what I heard? Four. Three. Three. So, three. So what do you got? What's three divided by 25,000? What what's your percentage chance to get? But the good thing is, Tom, $7 out of every 10 goes to elk habitat and restoration. My question is, where's the other $3 go? Uh, where, uh, where, where's the other $75,000 go? Yeah, it's, um, called, it's called administrative fees. That's administrative fees. So, And, and then some people, I guess there's some kind-hearted, kind-hearted well-wishing uh, you know, dreaming of the rainbow type people out there that they'll they'll not only pay the ten dollar application fee, they'll donate more money to go towards the elk thing. And to my way of thinking, I don't think they'll ever get that going. If if they they got elk just so people can see them, okay, great. But if it's it's never going to turn into a full blown meaningful hunt where any meaningful no. number of hunters are going to be able to go and hunt them. So. You know, I, I mean, it's. I guess it's cool to see them. I mean, I guess I'm not against them putting them back in there. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to pay 10 bucks. Uh, I'll go buy 10, 10 lottery tickets at the gas station be, before I spend 10 bucks. I'll buy 10 $1 tickets to have a, a chance that I know I'm never going to get that tag. Well, you know what they always say, you can't win if you don't play. So you can't never know. You, you well, I guess you don't one. know. Well, I guess now that's a hunt for the northern zone, which is uh, not Douglas County, close to it. I guess they do have a central zone where they're establishing elk, but they don't have a hunt established for that because I guess there's only about a, 115 animals. Yeah, and that's not that many. No. Yeah, yeah. Other, other news I got, Tom, was I guess they did the spring wildlife uh, waterfowl surveys, and I guess there's been an increase in numbers. Uh, despite drier conditions, um, you know, I, I sure hope they don't spend a lot on that spring waterfall survey because I could look out the window on Pewaukee Lake here and let, let them know that, don't worry, there's plenty of waterfall numbers are doing just fine. Yeah, and I hear they're not going to have a rough grouse season this year. Um, actually, it's the... Uh, it's not. It's the sharp-tailed grouse. Oh, the sharp-tail. Okay. Yeah, sharp-tailed grouse is closed for fall 2021. Apparently, they use a spring dance ground surveys. Uh, so they recruit a bunch of people who like to break dance and and send them out into the field <laughs> where they can dance and look with binoculars for grouse. And they didn't. Uh, apparently, the dancers didn't see many sharp-tails, so that season's closed. Um, the the rough grouse. Uh, you know, that season's continuing. What they're monitoring with that is that West Nile virus. Um, and apparently you could go to the DNR website and find out if you want to be a, 
a a good consumer of recreational uh, outdoors, you or whatever you want to put it, you can uh, find out how you can contribute samples of your rough grouse harvest so they can monitor the West Nile virus. Right. So I think it's I think it's about time that uh, we should be going, isn't it? Yeah. And before we go, Tom, would you eat a rough grouse? Sure. Why not? Well, you might get you might die of the West Nile virus. Come on, oh, Tom. Better not. That's way too dangerous. Okay, you can't then do I won't. that. I'm no. I'm, I ain't. I ain't eating no grouse here, buddy. No, nope, so, me neither. That's I'm all I got. You, I'm buddy. glad you warned me for that. I'm. I'm. Hey, hey, be scared. Be very, very scared. I. I'm, I always got your back, buddy. All right. Well, that's Listen, all I got. For and God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Bait Made Fish Attractant. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week, my friends. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.